often begin a sermon exactly in this way, but today I want to name right off the bat exactly where we're going and then start to unpack that with you and with our time together today. So here's where we're going, and here's what I want us to focus on, and that is this. The Christmas story shows us that there is joy in the journey of life, even when the journey is hard. The Christmas story shows us that there is joy in the journey of life, even when the journey is hard. I say this because this story of Jesus being born among us in the flesh, it's incredibly realistic in many ways. We're going to look at that throughout our time together here today. It is not a story of wishful thinking or of perfect circumstances. Instead, we see Jesus coming among us in good times and in bad. We see Jesus joining us when life is easy and easygoing and when it's hard and challenging and everything in between. Just ask Mary and Elizabeth as we read in the scripture passage here today. Today we are standing on the threshold in the nativity. Soon we will actually be at the manger with Jesus and Mary and Joseph, but we're not quite there yet. Jesus is still inside of Mary. She is still pregnant. In fact, today we don't have just one pregnant woman. We have two with Mary and Elizabeth. Sometimes I think we lose sight of just how realistic and real life the Bible can be. A little bit later on from the passage that we read already here this morning, in Luke chapter 2, verse 5, we hear this particular description of Mary given as she carries baby Jesus and as she is traveling with Joseph to Bethlehem for the census when it occurs. We hear he, that is Joseph, went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now, that's the way the New International Version puts it to us, but the King James Version, which tends to be a little bit more of a literal translation, actually translates Mary's condition this way. In that version, it says, Mary being great with child. Now, that's not the most friendly of terms, in my opinion. Uh, can you just imagine going up to a pregnant woman, a woman who is clearly pregnant, saying, hello there, I see that you are great with child. Uh, I would not suggest that you do that, by the way. I don't know that any woman in that state wants to be referred to as great with child, but that's real life. Obviously, women have to get larger in order to give birth. Sleep becomes more difficult. Bathroom trips become more frequent. That just comes with the territory. That is reality. That's part of being great with child. In today's scripture passage, we have then these two pregnant women. We have Mary and her cousin Elizabeth. And at this stage, it's Elizabeth who is great with child because she is six months farther along in her pregnancy than what Mary is. And Elizabeth will eventually give birth to John the Baptist, who will be the forerunner to Jesus. But we're not there yet. At this stage, we still just have the two pregnant women. And this is how the Jesus story, the Christmas story, begins. With a description of a very real journey and the challenges that come with it and pregnancies, having two women and their birth stories being shared with us, which is really quite fascinating when you stop and think about it. How odd 
to begin such a spiritual text and journey as the Gospel of Luke in this rather fleshy, rather carnal way to have these two women sharing obstetrical details with each other. It's not how we usually think of Christmas. But part of the joy of Christmas is to realize that this Jesus comes in the flesh, into our real world, in all of the highs and lows and everything in between. This is cause for us for great, great joy. Because as we will see in this journey with Mary today and with Elizabeth, we'll see a number of ways in which we can live into joy in the journey, even when the journey's not easy. Today is the third Sunday of Advent, and historically, this Sunday has been called the Gaudete Sunday, which means rejoice. In other words, it is the Joy Sunday of Advent. And as we have already shared here a few minutes ago, it is a day of great joy, especially when we get to celebrate with our kids in a number of ways. It's easy to have joy leading up to Christmas when we're with our kids or when we're focused on the gifts that we're sharing with each other or when we get to be with loved ones. But part of what we realize in today's passage is that we can have joy even when life is more challenging. To get a sense of what's really happening in the scripture here today, we are told that Mary is traveling from Nazareth to a place called Ein Karem. Now, that is not an easy trip to make. Uh, the beginning part of this trip for Mary would have been about 12 miles, and it's rather flat to start, but it's still 12 miles, and eventually then it moves into mountainous terrain. It will take about nine days to walk and make this journey from where Mary is to where Elizabeth is. Now remember, Mary at this point is only maybe 13 or 14, and she will be making this trip by herself as far as we know. And remember, she's pregnant. This is a hard, challenging journey. So some obvious questions start to arise. Questions like, why? Why would Mary do this? How in the world can she find joy in this kind of journey? Well, remember what Mary is dealing with at this time. She is a pregnant, unwed, young lady. She would have been looked down upon in a very unfavorable light. She might even be disowned for the state that she was in. This is not a good place to be. And who's actually going to believe her that this is God's son that she's carrying? So Mary is most likely feeling scared and alone. She's no doubt carrying the weight of the world on her shoulders. She doesn't know what to do. And at this point, I'm sure she doesn't know who she can trust or who she can turn to for support. So she probably seeks out the only one who can be trusted in her situation. So when we think about this question of why would Mary make such a long and dangerous trip by herself, I think the answer is because she is searching for or even going to the one person she knows she can trust. For her, she knows that's going to be Elizabeth. Think for a moment in your own life. Who is someone you can trust with absolutely anything? And then think about why can you trust that person? What is it about them that allows you to trust them? Think specifically, perhaps, of somebody older than you, that when you were growing up, you knew that you could go to them. Maybe it was a grandfather or a grandmother. Maybe it was an uncle or an aunt. But who was that person that if you felt like, I don't know that I can go to my parents or someone else, I can go to that person? That's what Mary is doing here. 
She's turning to Elizabeth in this hard time because she knows that ultimately she can trust Elizabeth. Elizabeth is most likely 30 to 40 years older than Mary. Mary, excuse me, Elizabeth herself had struggled with infertility. She had had no other children other than John with whom she's now carrying in her womb. And after struggling with infertility for so long, you can bet that Elizabeth was not overly eager to share with others out of fear that the pregnancy didn't really happen. Who would actually believe her anyhow after all these years of not being able to have a child to suddenly say, I was miraculously pregnant? And if it didn't happen, no doubt Elizabeth would have been filled with fear. So most likely, Elizabeth herself has been in seclusion for these six months of her pregnancy. She too is probably feeling alone. She probably also was wondering, who could I tell? Just like Mary. And now Mary knows she can go to Elizabeth because Elizabeth will be someone who can relate directly to what Mary is going through. And also, it's going to be a gift to Elizabeth to have Mary come to her who can also relate to what Elizabeth is going through. So Elizabeth becomes the perfect person for Mary to go to and trust, which makes me wonder again, if you are younger, do you have an older mentor? someone ahead of you in the journey, someone you can turn to to learn about the faith or to trust in hard times. When I was in college, I've shared with some of you that it was Eldon, the college chaplain, that we would meet together on Thursday mornings for breakfast and he would just let me come and pick his brain or ask him questions or turn to him for guidance and advice. Now I have a few other older men that I seek to be encouraged by and ask their wisdom and advice at different times. Who is it for you? If you don't have an Elizabeth today in your life, think about who could that be in your life? We talk here a lot about beautiful diversity, and part of the reason for that is because there is beauty across all generations to share, from young to old, from old to young, and everything in between. We all need an Elizabeth. And as you think about who your Elizabeth is, also think about who you can be an Elizabeth for. Who is your Mary? Who is your Elizabeth? In this journey of life, especially when life is hard, one of the ways that we can find real joy is to find a safe and trusted person with whom we can turn to when life is difficult. So part of what we hear in the scripture today is that joy is having a trusted mentor in your life. Today, in the place of Ein Karem, there's actually a statue of Mary and Elizabeth. Why? Because having these kind of relationships in our life is important. Having these relationships is key as we are journeying through life together, again, in the highs and in the lows. So that's one way that we find joy today. We also hear this in Luke 1.44, Elizabeth says, As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now, we're not even told here that Mary had yet told Elizabeth what was going on in her life, and yet somehow Elizabeth just knew. She recognized immediately that this baby that Mary was carrying was going to be the Messiah. Can you imagine the relief that must have washed over Mary in those moments to finally be understood, to have somebody else validate and recognize what she was going through and what she was doing? Now, I confess, I don't fully know how John in the womb of Elizabeth would jump in the womb, but clearly there was some reaction from John 
in the presence of Jesus whom Mary was carrying. I still remember when our kids were being carried by Jen in pregnancy, and there would be these times when literally her, her belly would just kind of do this wave and ripple thing that always fascinated me. I don't know if it was jumping per se, but I think that maybe that's something like what John might have done here in the presence of Jesus being carried by Mary. Maybe that's what John is doing, I don't know. But either way, in the presence of Jesus in utero, John responds. And so we see another joy here. Joy occurs when we come into the close presence of Jesus. Even though Elizabeth's circumstances here have not changed and John is still in the womb, at the same time, everything changes by recognizing that Jesus is there present with them in the moment. Everything can feel different when we realize that in the midst of life's circumstances and trials, Jesus is there. We are not alone. Christ is with us. The circumstances may not change, but they are in totally reframed when we recognize, Jesus, you are with me even in the midst of those difficult, hard circumstances. And so what we realize is that our circumstances may not change, but because we are in the presence of Christ, those circumstances do not dictate our joy. Christ is with us. Elizabeth wonders why this is happening. She is amazed. She even says in Luke 1.43, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So here in this craziness of everything that's going on, Elizabeth finds genuine joy and appreciation and even names it by saying, why am I so highly favored? When was the last time, even in the midst of a hard trial or challenging circumstances, that you simply stopped and recognized that Jesus was close to you, that Jesus was there present with you? I want to invite you this week in your own journey just to stop at some point and to do that and to see how that might reframe the very circumstances in which you find yourselves. Is there something difficult or hard going on in your life right now? What would it look like to simply stop and say, Lord, I know that you are here with me in the midst of these challenging circumstances. The circumstances may not change, but our mindset, our heart condition will change in a very real way. So joy comes when we find an Elizabeth or a trusted mentor in our life. Joy comes when we recognize that we are in close proximity to Christ himself. And I want to ask you as you're thinking about joy, when you are filled with joy, when you're in a joyful mood, what do you do? I can think of at least three primary responses to joy. One is we simply smile or laugh. Uh, we can't help but sometimes laughing or smiling when we're filled with joy. Secondly, sometimes I think of crying. Sometimes in the midst of profound joy, there are no words. And so in the emotion of it all, there may be tears that run down our cheeks. But there's a third response to joy, and that is to sing <laughs> or maybe to hum. Some of you are hummers, I understand, and some of us love to sing fully. There is a reason that people will sing in the shower or when they're in their car by themselves, just sing out loud because singing feels good. Singing is something that everybody loves to do, at least for the most part. And as a side note, I'd be curious if we had the time to know when you're by yourself, what kind of music do you like to crank up and just sing with all of your heart? 
I've told many of you many times I'm not a good singer. I always worry when we are singing together if my mic will come on and if I will be heard. So oftentimes I don't sing too loudly, usually when I'm around other people. And I don't sing in the shower. But I will let you in on this little secret. There are times when I am traveling in my car and nobody else is around that yes, I will turn the radio up or whatever and just belt it out. Just me by myself. Because singing is a good thing, a joyful thing, something that we can enjoy doing. In the case of Mary, we see that her response to joy is to sing. And even more specifically, we know exactly what she does sing. We did not read it today in the initial scripture reading, but scripture tells us that Mary's response to Elizabeth's words were, according to the message version of Luke chapter 1, verse 46, and Mary said, I'm bursting with good news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. In other words, Mary is dancing and singing and busting a move. She is filled with joy. And so what does she do? She sings and proclaims. This is a psalm that Mary offers. A psalm is a sacred hymn in which we offer in worship. The Bible is filled with psalms. When people were sad or happy, they sang. In fact, the largest book in the Bible is the book of Psalms, over 150 or with 150 of them. The more popular term for what Mary is singing here is called the Magnificat. In Latin, Magnificat means praise. This is Mary's hymn of praise for what God has done in her life and what God is going to do. It's no secret that in general, people love to sing. Hardly anyone just idly sits by and listens to their favorite singer or song. What do they do? They join in gusto and singing with their favorite artists and their favorite songs. It's part of why people love to go to concerts. It's a chance to sing literally with thousands of others, their favorite songs by their favorite artists. Even when people know the songs, they'll go back again and again and again. I know that some of you love Taylor Swift. I saw an article not too long ago that said this, Taylor Swift knows how to throw a party. Swift pulled off a record-setting crowd over the weekend when her buzzed about Eras tour opened shop for three nights at the Nissan Stadium, Nashville's largest seated venue. She shared a career-spanning set that covered 45 songs in roughly three and a half hours, and with Sunday's concert reaching roughly 71,000 showgoers and a three-night total nearly eclipsing 212,000 people, Swift set a single-night event record for the attendance at that stadium. She is the first female artist in Nashville history to play those headline shows at Neeson Stadium in as many nights. See? Singing's a really big deal. It's no wonder people love to sing. Our anxiety levels come down when we sing. According to the Journal of Behavioral Medicine, when we sing, there are higher levels of chemicals released in our bodies to literally prevent infections from happening. And singing with a group produces endorphins, which just make us feel good. Another study back in 2008 indicated that singing can actually reduce snoring. Who would have guessed that? And if you sing with a group like the choir, they will be glad to hear this, that people who sing in a choir for 12 weeks or more actually have better self-esteem. 
so many benefits to singing. For Mary, her singing reflected a joy that could not be contained. It was a joy that she expressed and wanted to express to the fullest degree. Singing as pure worship has nothing to do with vocal talent. It's all about the heart posture before God. I wonder when was the last time you simply cried out to God, sang out to God, and expressed it with all of your being, sharing your love and your praise of God. You don't have to consider yourself a singer to express your joy in God, but there is value to doing more than just talking about it or listening. There's a joy that comes when we express the joy. Whether we sing it or shout it, we express it. Because when we experience joy, we need to express it outwardly to God. We don't just hold it in. And finally, we remember that with Mary and Elizabeth, yet again, God, we see this over and over in Scripture, God holds the downcast and the lonely in high esteem. Remember, this is a hard time for Mary, and yet she sings with joy. Don't forget, Mary is from Nowheresville, Nazareth a town that was not even on the map at the time. Mary is an unwed girl, and Elizabeth has not been able to have children throughout her entire life. And it's in these tough moments and these tough circumstances that God chooses to use these individuals to bring God's one and only Son into the world. Mary is one of the greatest examples in all of Scripture of somebody willing to offer herself to God in spite of her circumstances. She literally gives all of who she is to God's purposes, and the result is joy in the journey. Mary says it this way in Luke 1, 46 to 48, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. This is Mary's way of saying, yes, Lord, here I am, use me. And because Mary offered herself unto God, God used her to change the course of history. God lifted up this lowly peasant girl from nowhere and used her to bring God's only son into the world. And so Mary learned to do this. She learned to offer herself who she was, for God's purposes, and in that discovered and experienced joy. So that in this, Mary provides a model for you and I, and that is this. Joy is discovered when we offer what we have. All Mary has to offer is herself. What do you have to offer? Yourself, your time, your resources, what do you have to offer? Because when we offer it unto God, we will find joy when we offer those things for holy and God-given purposes. Today, a large reason that we can have joy in the journey of this season of Advent and in the highs and the lows of our life is because Jesus meets us in a very real way in those circumstances. We can experience joy in the journey with mentors, we can experience joy in the journey by recognizing the presence of Christ with us no matter our circumstances. We can experience joy in the journey when we express that joy outwardly through singing or shouting or any other way. And we can experience joy in the journey when we offer to God what we have and what God has blessed us with. Today, let us experience and discover the joy 
that comes in the journey of life and to the manger and beyond. Thanks be to God.